Welcome to the Australia Sews podcast. This podcast celebrates the Australian home sewing community and shares stories from everyday sewers transforming their lives and their wardrobes. My name is Louise Sherry. Today's special guest is Jess. You may know her as Fat Bobbin Girl on Instagram or as one half of the pattern business, Moona and Broad. Or you may have read her blog, Broad in the Seams. In this episode, Jess talks about specialising in patterns for plus-size sewists, her experimentation with block colours, and her casual yet fancy style. And if you've never died a death between the thighs before, then you haven't lived, my friends. All right, enough rambling from me. Let's hear from the gorgeous Jess. Welcome to the podcast, Jess. Before we begin, can you tell our listeners what you're wearing today? I knew you were going to ask this, actually. So I just got back from walking the dog and I put some memes on so I didn't have to tell you that I was wearing like a ratty <laughs> t-shirt and like pants I bought ages ago. So today I'm wearing a Torrens box top, a minute and broad Torrens box top um, in double gauze. Uh, with gathered sleeves, which is our Patreon bonus, and also um, you can't see it, but I'm wearing a hot pink linen pants. They're your faves. Yeah. Which is out of your colour range, but you don't care. We can talk about that later. (laughs) (laughs) Just with the double gauze, I hear that mentioned so often, and when I go into Spotlight, I can never find double gauze. Yeah, so like in Spotlight, the same fabric is called like muslin, is it called so, double muslin? Double muslin, yeah. So is like it? The, the double is like the double layer, but different names depending on what country you're in. I have seen it, but it's always got little teddy bears or something on it. It's often used for swaddles for babies, so I think that's mostly what Spotlight's selling it for. But they do have some plain colours, and I feel like I saw some the other day when I was in there, maybe with like little spots on it, which could be for garments, for adults. It's a very delicate fabric then, because I've actually picked up that double muslin. Mm-hmm. It's not see-through at all? Um, No, it's not. I mean, I think maybe it would be in the light. It's also like real shifty. So um, my facing is a different kind of fabric that didn't have any stretch. And as soon as I cut it out, I put the facing on there because I've had it before where like by the time I've got around to sewing the bits, it's just totally warped out and I can't drag it back in. Is that where you have to stay stitch? Where they always say stay stitch your seams? (laughs) Yes, but actually sometimes the act of stay stitching stretches the seam. So um, just, you know, like if you're feeding it through and it's just a single layer, actually your feed dogs can stretch that out. So sometimes I just like put the put the facing on as soon as possible just to stop anything from going, from going wrong. Very clever. Obviously, this is a Moona and Broad pattern, which we're going to talk about very, very soon. But before we get into Moona and Broad, your Instagram name is Fat Bob and Girl, which is a play on words from the Queen song, Fat Bottomed Girl. I knew that. Are you a Queen fan or do you just like a pun or do you like both? Both. I think like sewists are all pun lovers, right? We, we love a good pun. So it was, yeah, I like the Queen song and also um, sewing related, kind of sewing adjacent Queen homage. <laughs> so you're an Aussie but you are currently living in Christchurch in New Zealand. What's Mm -hmm. the sewing scene like in New Zealand then compared to Australia? Well, I mean, interestingly, I never sewed when I lived in Australia, so I have no idea what the Australian sewing scene is like. When I started sewing, I took night classes. I lived up in Auckland, and then I lived in Auckland for a few years while I was sewing and then moved down to Christchurch. I think there's, you know, it's there's a really big scene in New Zealand of sewists and also all kind of creative things. Like I've heard that the quilting scene here is really big as well. I don't know anything about that. But um, in Christchurch here a couple of years ago, we kind of set up a, um, 
a Google spreadsheet where people can add their details and we had like meetups. I would say we had more meetups before the pandemic happened, but certainly, yeah, there's a nice little community over here. So is Spotlight the big box store over there in New Zealand as well? Um, yeah, so we have Spotlights. We also have Lincraft. Um, I'd say like all the major cities have a Spotlight, but also like one thing that's quite common in all the major cities as well is the fabric store. So that's almost the place that I go to by default rather than Spotlight. It's a great store. And I know you love Merino because I've bought Merino as well. I've got three garments out of Merino and I got mm. that from the fabric store and I would probably would never have been able to pick it up at Spotlight. It's um, it's good to have all those different options because it gives you different things for what you want to buy. Like I'm not crazy about the Spotlight linen, but it's good to have other options for things. Mm. So let's talk Moona and Broad. So for those who do not know, you are one half of the pattern company Moona and Broad, which started in 2019. I hope I've got that right. Do you know when it started? Yeah, <laughs> You're looking at me like, it was it 2019? Was it probably it? was. I, it, we're coming up on our third anniversary, like maybe even this month. So yes. that must be 2019. It was the right? end. It was like just before the pandemic. So Muna and Broad specialises in patterns for plus-size sewers. And the other half is Leela, who is another fellow Aussie, but she lives in Canada. So my question to you after that massive introduction is why did you two decide to start Muna and Broad? Um, so Leela and I met through a hashtag on Instagram. <laughs> Which um, hashtag? <laughs> Do you remember? It was like plus-size minimalist. <laughs> um, I think she had found me and at that point I had more followers than her, so she had kind of followed me. And she got in touch with me to say, we're the same measurements and I had just made myself some pants. Do you want the pattern? And I was like, yes. Um, so she sent me the pattern and I sewed it up and then we had kind of talked about releasing it as a free pattern. And um, she was like, I don't have any followers, so you know, I'll partner with you and you can do it through your website or whatever. And that was fine. So we put it out and if you signed up to the email newsletter, you got a free the, the PDF came to you basically and at that point it was like all jammed onto an AO a couple of AOs and the instructions were like written on there and it was like real dot point there was no waistband you had to draft your own waistband after you measured the thing and we really quickly realized that with plus size sewing you can't assume like that people know what they're doing because they haven't had patterns for so many people in our size range no other company had catered to them so this could be their first time sewing anything and we we'd actually needed to hold their hands more in the instructions. And then so when it got to the point of like, oh, actually we need to we need to give more help to people, then that's not a free pattern anymore. That's like a, a thing that you could have as a pattern. Um, so we kind of went from there of like the community being like, we need more instructions than this. Yeah, and it kind of snowballed. Well, what was the vision though? Was it the vision just to release this one pattern just for fun? Yeah, it was so it originally came out in only three patterns and I guess we, it was three kind sizes, of like, yeah. Three sizes, yeah. yes. Um, it was a bit like we just wanted to put out this thing for people who had nothing. You know, we had no woven pants in our size range that we could buy. It didn't matter. <laughs> you know, there was no amount of money or love. You could you could get it. So it was just kind of like a, a fat sewing community service. And we thought, yeah, that'll be it. And then it just kind of went from there. And you obviously made the pattern up yourself for your, mm -hmm. for your own. And how did you find it? Since there wasn't many sewing patterns available to me in my size either I actually kind of got onto Stylark pretty early and like they're pretty minimal instructions but they also have like the little notches on the seams so to tell you what the seam allowance is and so that's what Leela had put in because she comes from like a fashion kind of background 
Uh, so it was pretty straightforward for me just because I was used to working with those minimal instructions. But I, I do hate having to like draft my own waistband. And then like, you know, this was before I had like a cutting mat. So I was on the floor cutting things out. I only had a measuring tape. Like how do you cut a perfectly kind of rectangular waistband freehand? So I eventually convinced Leela that people definitely did want a waistband. I think it maybe took us like a couple pairs of pants for me to be like, no, 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 Leela, they want a waistband. <laughs> we have to give them a waistband. It was good. It was good. And it was kind of, um, I'm not going to say that they're wide leg. They're straight leg, but I am wide. So they, they look like a wide leg. And it was kind of, the, it was a style of pant that I wanted and couldn't get. Um, yeah, so it was quite a, like an affirming kind of pair of pants to have made. Um, and then I basically filled my wardrobe with exactly those pants and they're still my go-to pants. So they're the Glebe pants. It's the very, very first pattern Moona and Broad ever released. Mm-hmm. And still going strong today and one of your faves. Yeah, one of my faves. And it's, it, because they're so, like, beginner-friendly as well, like, they could be the kind of project that you make as your first thing that you sew, like, skip sewing a pillowcase. You could actually just make these pants. Because there's no I zipper, right? Because there's, there's no the, zipper. There's the yeah, elastic. So there's two views. There's one that has, like, a flat front and you mm. put clips in, um, and there's one that's elastic all round. So it's, it's really straightforward because of the waistband being quite open you know there's no real fitting issues we wouldn't recommend grading necessarily because you still have to get your hips through them so you let the elastic do the work of fitting that to your waist yeah so there's still a really popular pattern um, along with our Torrens box top which was the second thing that we released which kind of ended up coming out before the Gleaved as a paid pattern um yeah very convoluted wow the industry does have a long way to go, but since 2019 when you started Mooner and Broad, did you notice that things were changing like slowly or even rapidly in that three years with more visibility of plus size sewers, pattern companies increasing their range size? Did you notice all that happening? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like today um, a lot of the businesses who were around kind of 2018, 2019, a lot of those big indie sewing companies have expanded their sizes um you know hard one wins till in the button expanded the sizes and now you look at the website and you can see like visibly fat models on there which i think is really great and sure there's a long way to go i really love seeing when companies offer to grade up above their size range if they don't offer that which we do as well yeah yeah. um that's basically just because we cut off our size at a 72 inch hip which is where we could get our largest tester and then after that we will grade up above the size we don't do like a custom grade so it's not like we will make you a specific pattern for your body, but we'll grade up in increments and then you get the same starting point as anybody else would get. I have noticed recently, though, um, that there's kind of been a big influx of new sewing pattern companies just in almost like the last six months who were so new that they, I don't think they were here for the big conversation that we had about it. And they're starting their size range and they're going like, oh, we go from size double zero to 16. Like, that's a success. And I feel like a bit like, oh, we have to start all over again. So that, I mean, that's disappointing when, you know, like 18, 16 in most Western countries is the average size. If you want to serve the most people, that's the average size. Mm. Some patent companies say this is, it's really hard to grade, like grade up. And of course, you can't just continue with the, the lines moving because like your shoulders don't suddenly get bigger as you grade up and up and up you've got to kind of think about it is it really hard then to grade up in sizes no I'm not going to say it's hard and that businesses should avoid doing it or can avoid doing it 
I just think you have to think about fat bodies and treat them as like equal. And I, I don't know. I don't know if like people don't want to consider like the practicalities of what a fat body is like and don't haven't spent time looking to be like, oh, what happens? Oh, statistically, or, you know, like most people at this size seem to have quite large arms. I better increase the bicep size on here. Um, yeah, I think it's just about actually considering that fat bodies are different do expand differently but but at the same time like is completely grading straight up from a double zero to a 12 going to give good results to a 12 it's not um, that's I, why everyone is so different like you really yeah. you can't just make it straight from the packet like rarely yeah. i think anyone could just make it straight from the packet sometimes i mean i feel like anybody should be able to get if they have like a typical size at a typical body shape at that size I mean, typical is like a difficult, difficult one. But like for the for our M and B patterns, Leela and I, um, we're not quite the same size anymore. But we used to make the same sample size, and we have like really different bodies. Our proportions. Leela is um quite large, busted, really broad shouldered. Um, she's really long through the torso and short through the leg. Whereas I'm like mostly legs, really narrow shoulders. And we when we make our garments to put up onto the website, we don't make any adjustments other than like length. So we're not doing like full bust adjustments or shoulder adjustments or narrow, like, no, what you're seeing on the website is exactly what is coming out of the packet. And I feel like if designers are doing their work, you know, doing their job, they're giving you something that will work for the, for a broad range of people at that size. I don't know. I guess I've got, um, I've got skin in the game now since I have a patent company. So that <laughs> makes it difficult to say. <laughs> But it's awesome. It really is. It's great to see just the inclusivity now of different sizes. Like even myself, if I pick up a Vogue pattern or a new look or whatever, or even a um, independent pattern, I'm never the one size. I always go th over three columns. And so then I have to figure out now, well, which one am I going to go with or do I start grading? Because mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to fit. And is there a lot of ease in this? Like you really don't know. It can be a little bit of a lucky dip. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like you know, some companies are still doing that thing where they force you to buy like one size and I don't know who that works for because I'm pretty sure that doesn't work for straight size people or plus size people. So I've heard you refer to Leela as the back end of Moona and Broad and you as the front end. So what does that mean? Suppose if we, if Leela and I had actually met each other and worked together in real life um, and we had a little shop that we were working from, I would be the person at the front desk welcoming you into the store and she would be at the back there doing the serious work. Your work serious. <laughs> You're welcoming people into this shop. That's true. Um, <laughs> she, she's doing the, um, yeah, the pattern making side of stuff. So I am a really new sewist. I have like no skills in pattern making. So people will be thrilled to find out that I am not involved in that side of things. So Leela has a background in design, studied pattern design. And so she does all the kind of like pattern drafting, grading, all those kind of tough things. And I'm the person on the front doing um, the website, the social media, answering the emails, running the Patreon, writing the Patreon post, that kind of thing. So you're the first impression. Like you said, if you came into that store, you'd be like, hi, welcome to our shop. And then Leela's out the back just like cutting things and sketching. Does she sketch? I, does she sketch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I had some of her sketches to show you. <laughs> um, sometimes, kind of. Uh, we trade a lot of like pictures via Instagram message and we have a little Pinterest board that we share. Yeah, we're not, we're not big sketches. 
Have you ever thought then you'd like to get more into the pattern design with her or do you already do that? Um, so we both decide on the designs together. We'll talk about like what we want and I'll describe things to her. I think I'm getting better at describing stuff in like pattern things instead of just like feelings. But no, like she has a huge knowledge that comes from years and years of experience and also then her like biomechanics background. And so like the more I learn about what her process is, the more I'm like, I should absolutely not be dabbling in that. And for the most part, like uh, this week, I was like, oh, Leela, um, I would like this. And I described to her what it was. And I was like, it would be really easy. And I'll sew up all the samples. So I, I use bribery to get what I want. <laughs> I love it. Sounds like you've got a really, really good relationship. Even though you've never met each other. I can't believe that. Never. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we've never met in real life. I suppose we probably would have by now if there hadn't been a pandemic. True. Um, but we're both like, quite laid back Australians and I think that kind of um yeah that works well together um even through different time zones where like lots of the times like I'm leaving a note in a document for her and she's seeing it and we're not like talking mm. about it at all so are there plans then now that I mean we can't use that excuse anymore that the planes aren't flying so that's true uh there's no immediate plan no I'm not traveling I'm like COVID shy I have asthma so I'm still like kind of in peak hermit mode at the moment but at some point in the future I suppose it would be absolutely mad not to meet and then you'll find out that she's actually not a real person and she's (laughs) (laughs) catfished (laughs) you've been catfished with patterns yeah and uh, ironic like I think she's much more of an extrovert than I am I'm like an introvert who gets away with it because I'm on the internet so that would be uh, you know like if I went to, to Canada to visit her and then I'd be like I need 10 hours of alone time a day yeah yeah, I love it. Just before we move on to other things, so Muna and Broad, so you recently went down, you expanded down the pattern range. You went down to a 40-inch bust and a 41.4-inch hip. You, mm-hmm. you actually expanded down to me. So why did you decide to expand down? We got a lot of inquiries from people who were um, below our size range but who kind of identified with what we said we were accommodating for. So there may be folks who are curvy, do have like a full belly, do have a full butt, all these kind of things, but aren't necessarily being catered. That shape isn't necessarily being catered to when they're at the top end of um, straight size pattern ranges, basically. And also there's lots of people who are that size who so, so we wanted to get them involved. It's actually, it's really hard to get the word out there about the small sizes though, because uh, we try so hard to center large fat sewists. And, like, I, I don't really want to fill our Instagram account full of really small people at the de- to the detriment of the larger sewists. Mm. Um, so I think, like, often people who are your size are like, oh, what do you mean you do our size? Yeah, you're included too. <laughs> wow. And there's 28 patterns now. So are they all now that size? Or oh, hang on, what, there's more? It's 29 just, now. <laughs> did you just release another one? Yeah, we released a pattern uh, last Saturday. Can you explain the pattern, please? Um, so it was the Melba dress. Um, a dress. Jess <laughs> hates dresses. Well, no, yeah. I shouldn't say that. Well, I'm kind of, now that we have um, chub rub shorts, because that was always my thing of like, why would I wear a dress when I could wear pants and that would stop my thighs from touching? Um, mm. And I hated all chub rub shorts that were all synthetic and made me sweaty. Now I made Leela design me some chub rub shorts and I have them in bamboo and there's kind of no excuses. So I'm like tentatively entering the water <laughs> again of dresses to see how that sits for me. 
but like worst case scenario, those dresses are just really long tops that I wear over the top of clean pants. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah, but it's a it's a it's for wovens. It's a V neck kind of similar to our Torrens box top dress, relaxed fit uh, pockets that don't flap around, and it's got a nice side split with um, mitered hems in there, which are lovely to sew. And then it's got our our classic sleeve band on there as well. Oh, lovely. Very good for summer, I guess. Is it like a summer yeah. dress or spring yeah, and summer? Yeah, we, we always have that kind of difficulty of like when Leela's in like summer and she's sweltering and I'm over here and this morning there was frost all over the ground. Um, so one of us is always making really not appropriate clothes. Well, I always make inappropriate clothes for the season anyway, so I don't think it really matters. <laughs> it's easier for me because it doesn't snow here in Christchurch very often. So it's not like the dress in the winter is a huge problem, whereas for Leela, she'd be like, well, I can't wear this outside or I might <laughs> I want to talk about style now. So your Instagram page, Fat Bob and Girl, has over 21,000 followers now. Whether it was your intention or not, you're now considered a style guru in the sewing community. I know you're laughing about this because you're like, I'm an introvert. I'm not a style guru. But the way you pair block colours with block colours, you know, people love that. So how do you feel about being seen as this fashionista? Yeah, surprise. Awkward? <laughs> Awkward. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah. I suppose it's it's nice. It's nice. Um, and I think I kind of started taking pictures as a way of paying back service to fat sewers who had shared photos from be- before I did, whose stuff I looked at and was like, oh, I could wear that. That's really interesting. I had never thought about that. And so I guess it started as that and then kind of spiraled from there. You sacrificed yourself. I- for the, for the sake of others. Yeah, I hate I hate taking photos of myself. I don't want to be known on any level. Um, yeah, here I am. Uh, yeah, I mean, I hope it's useful for people. I definitely, I don't know, anyone who sees me on the day-to-day probably does not consider me to be a style icon. Riding off on your bike. Yep. Go to the supermarket, <laughs> you know. So you once described your style as casual but a bit fancy, and I, I get that actually when I see your photos, but what do you mean by that? I suppose uh, what I wanted from clothing is like, you know, there's stuff that like fat people can buy in their size. Like I could go to like Kmart and buy myself some tracky decks, but I don't want to wear that. I kind of, I want to look a bit like, no, I, I chose to look like this. This was a decision, not just like what was available to me. And while I haven't quite dealt with that and got back into like wearing some cool track pants I've made for myself, I think I feel most comfortable in that kind of like elevated but not overdressed spot that looks purposeful I think often kind of when you're fat people are like oh you should wear a fit and flare dress and you know that you get pushed into this like quite highly feminized very done up high heels ultra femme dress situation I didn't want that either so I don't know I feel like I've been trying to hit this middle ground or something that looks like, oh, yeah, it's fine that she's just out for a normal day in a cafe, but also that I feel a little bit like, no, no uh, you know, uh, this was purposeful and I feel comfortable and presentable. Mm. You can ride your bike to a cafe and then you can go to some concert and then you can yeah. ride your bike back home. Yep. Walk my dog and look really stylish. Yes. I'm the most stylish person at the river, yeah. I know that feeling when I go to soccer. I just don't want to wear black and, like, I don't want to wear like workout gear or tracky dacks. I want to wear a, a dress because that's what I pretty much wear all the time. So yeah. I'm obviously the one that stands out the most at the soccer game, but I don't want to 
be what everyone else is doing. Yeah, just the feeling of like dressing down so that you fit in. I just think like, oh, what a sad way to live your life. Plus, you make all these clothes. You want to wear them, right? Absolutely. I like I'm real bad about like I don't save anything for good. Like if I've made it, it's all equal. And so I was going to wear a different top than you this morning and I put it on and I was like, oh, food stains. Great. I guess I'm putting a different top on. <laughs> Because uh, they all get worn for just like day to day things. And even at home, like, do you just wear clothes because you can? Yeah, yeah, me too. I no have... one's no one's watching, but I don't care. Yeah, I like to get dressed, but I will say that, like, I suppose my level of good dress has gone down a little bit since I got a dog, just because like he forces me to walk through like wet grass and muddy zones, and then I feel a bit like I need to have pockets. Firstly, but also things that I don't mind getting dirty. Um, so I do sometimes have some like me made dog walking clothes and then I'll change into my nicer clothes when I get back. <laughs> That's yep, I do that too. So you've called yourself an overthinker when it comes to nailing your personal style and choosing color combinations. And you have you've gone to town with experimenting with colors. You've gone from plum, lilac, mustard, chartreuse, which I love that word because I had to like Google it and see what color it was. It was like a greeny yellow. And then you've done your colour palette, you're a warm autumn, which is, you know, those warm goldeny colours of the oranges and the yellows and the browns. But you didn't like that palette either, really, like you didn't want to stick to it. So out of all of this experimentation, and I think you're still experimenting, what have you learned about yourself? Well, I suppose I started over, well, I've always overthought about everything in my life. But on, in this particular thing, when I, I guess when I first got into sewing, I would make something and I'd be like, I don't know why I don't like this. Like, mm. I like fabric. I, I maybe made the pattern before and I liked that. And why is this not a win? And so getting into thinking more about the colors of things was like my, my answer to being like, why have I spent all this time and money on this thing that I hate? And why do I hate that? How can I avoid that happening again in the future? And I know, like, a lot of people uh, object to the kind of colour theory thing about whether you're an autumn or a summer or what have you. But I just think that's, like, a further extension of colour theory and, like, pairing colours together. And also there's so many kind of rules that, you know, um, you can make a split complementary or a complementary colour. Like, you can play orange with blue. And so I went through a period of trying all that, and then I found out um, about being warm autumn, so I took the palette, which has, like, a wide range of colours. It's not just kind of actual the colours of autumn leaves, but also other shades that have, that they're warm colours, but that they're muted. So you could have, like, a warm kind of tealy blue that's a bit muted, or um, some pinks are in there as well. And it's it's kind of the thing of, like, I probably would look better in cream than a harsh white. But I took that warm autumn thing and I ran with it and I was applying like traditional combinations to it, putting like really different colors together and then being like, well, I don't like this either, even though I think it technically works and maybe other people would like it and other people say they like it on me and I was still like unhappy with the combinations. Mm. That's the confusing uh, part, isn't it? When people go, oh, that looks wonderful on you, Jess, amazing. And you're like, but I hate it. Yeah, and I think like lots of times on Instagram, people respond to a thing that you're wearing with their own thoughts and that's about them. It's not about you necessarily. Mm, um, like That's, they might that's be like, insightful. <laughs> because I saw you in that red dress and remember I said, I really like that on you and you're like, uh -huh. but I didn't really like that on me. Yeah. I think often, you know, you, it's Instagram, it's a visual media. You'll see something that's a bit like eye-catching and you'll be like, oh, 
oh, and, and often people will think like, oh, I wish I could wear that or that's something I like as opposed to like, does that look Jess? Does, you know, and mm. people, you know, you, you don't know everything about a person either on the internet. So often I think, oh, people probably have an idea of who they think I am and that's why they think that's a good fit. And I'm like, no, no, I hate it, mm. it kind of thing. So where are you at now with your colours? Are you in a good place? Um, I think I'm doing a bit better about buying fabrics that will be wins. And, like, it's really tough to get to the bottom of, right, like that, yes, certain versions of all colours are appropriate. And, you know, I've made I made a jacket that took me ages and it's really beautiful, but it's navy and I hate it. Mm, um, but that jacket. Yeah, I, I wear it for walking the dog. <laughs> uh, but other people would say that looks amazing on you, right? But yeah. but when you put it on, that feeling you get is, well, I don't feel myself. Yeah, and if I had gone into a store and tried that on, I would have been like, well, I'm not buying that. But mm. I couldn't go into a store and try that on, um, so I spent better part of a week making this jacket that I don't really like. And so now I'm just doing a bit more with, like, I've got little swatches of all my kind of most worn things, and I've kind of had to throw away that that kind of those fashion rules about pairing things together to be like well that works for some people but my fashion rules are this and I really prefer like a low contrast so yeah lots of pinks and plums and there might be some browns coming in mm. and I've had a little thing of blues but it's not like bold bright blues they're muted colors and just making sure that you know I'm comparing swatches with things and coming up with like you know if I make another outerwear I came up with this whole plan of like what goes with everything because your outerwear has to go with everything. Um, so I've got some tan wools in my stash mm. that I probably missed the ultimate season for making another jacket since it's about <laughs> to be spring, but maybe I'll get to it this season. It's interesting too, like you said, brown is coming back into your wardrobe because brown's come a long way. It's not that ugly brown that we used to think. Maybe from our school days, I don't know where we the connotation of brown being an ugly colour. There's so many <laughs> different shades now yeah, that are yep. beautiful. And I think each colour has a shade that everybody could kind of get behind. Mm. Um, it's just about finding that. Make, I mostly shop online, so making sure that what you're looking at is what you're going to get it's kind hard, of thing. isn't it? Yeah. Because I they put a little disclaimer in there sometimes saying, yeah. you know, if this may not be the colour you're seeing on the screen. Yeah, you know, like when your phone gets to like seven o'clock and it's like, okay, nighttime mode and the screen goes all yellow and then you're looking at fabrics being like, well, this is probably not a good time to look at these. Mm. Um, I order a lot of swatches with other fabric orders. So, you know, I've got a reason to add swatches It's a good in. idea. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can feel it too. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and especially when you're looking at buying wool or something that's really expensive, you want to make sure that oh, what yeah. you get. Yeah. So with, with that navy jacket that you didn't like, how could you have gone back in time if you could? How would you, would you have just picked a different colour? But again, did you need to actually make it in the colour to see if you liked it? That's always the hard thing, I think. Sometimes just looking at a colour doesn't mean it's going to work on you. Sometimes you have to make the garment and then come to that conclusion. Yeah, I think some people are really good at like imagining something in their head and I am not, like I can't kind of foresee that Ironically, the the fabric for that was a double-faced wool coating and the inside is a lovely kind of grey check. And I should have used that side because it's quite muted, really soft. I just didn't because I was like, well, I really don't want to pattern match that, which I did not. Yeah, I suppose having made it, I could have made other things in navy that took less time. 
<laughs> and been like, oh, I'm not really into those and that would have been a better outcome. But I think there is a certain amount of, especially when you're plus size and you can't go into stores, uh, this kind of like excess making to find out what you're into. Um, and I don't feel guilty about that kind of extra consumption because it's society's fault that I can't go into a store. And if only that was a reversible jacket. Yeah. Then you would have had that check on the outside. <laughs> totally unpatterned match. So us would be like, oh, my God, what has she done? So you made a boiled wool Belmore coat. That's a Mooner in broad pattern. And that was in pink. Mm-hmm. So and compared to that navy coat, like this is one of your workhorse jackets. So was that unintentional, making that jacket in that colour and then realising it actually worked? Yeah, I um. So a friend of mine who's also a sewist, she was having, she was doing a concert, and this was kind of here in New Zealand after we came out of one lockdown and we could go back to things because there was a while where there was like nothing in the community, so life kind of returned to normal. And I was like, I'm gonna make a whole new outfit for this concert because I haven't gone anywhere in ages. And I planned a little kind of thing, and I was like, oh, I'll make some kind of outer with this pink, which I'd had. I've had in my stash for ages that boiled wool. I was going to make a dress with it, like a really kind of oversized dress. And I was like, Jess, you will not like that. <laughs> make something else with it. So I made this whole outfit on a whim and it ended up being like this pink that went with everything in my wardrobe. Um, and just like it's boiled, boiled wool is delicious anyway, but it's been a real like surprise win. I think mm. if I had put more thought into it, I might have talked myself out of making it. So does that match your pants, you know, the pink pants that you have? Is it a different colour pink? Yeah, so the, the Belmore jacket is a bit more like dusky kind of musk stick pink, mm. um, whereas most of my pink pants are like very bright. Hot pink? Hot pink, yeah. <laughs> your followers on Instagram often take an interest in you more than just your the clothes that you wear. For example, they notice when you've had a haircut. They notice when you're wearing lipstick and they definitely notice your shoes. So what do you think about all of that? Is that just part of the fashionista, Jess? Oh, that's just me as a, a deeply stylish individual. <laughs> I suppose varying levels of awkward and I'm like, but I mean, my, I do have some nice shoes. I have a couple of pairs of um, Sevilla Smith shoes um, and they're like quite interesting shapes and they're leather. And I feel like they, um, they look quite nice while being flat. So if I don't tag them, people will be like, oh, what are these shoes? Um, so now I generally just put in there what they are. And they still um, tag you anyway and say, what are these shoes? And you're like, yeah, it's in the caption. In the caption, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's probably passive aggressive. I'll just tag that shoe company again. Oh, I love it. You once said you hate the word flattering because body shape shouldn't dictate the clothes that you wear, and I definitely agree. Did it take a long time then to ditch those um, rules around what you should and shouldn't wear for your body shape? I think um, the kind of realisation or having like this feeling of like when someone says, oh, that's really flattering, that feels yuck. It doesn't feel like a compliment. It feels like mm. a backhanded compliment. It strikes poorly. And I think it strikes poorly no matter what your size is. And I mm. just like people stop using it. But I think often some of those like size rule things are so ingrained that you maybe don't even recognise them as being like fat phobic at their base. Even, you know, like those ones of like, oh, if you've got um, voluminous pants, you should wear something fitted on top. Fat phobia. You know, all these kind of <laughs> things that we've kind of ingrained as like, oh, this is fashion rules, actually have a basis in basically body shaming yourself into showing how small you are or what, mm. what have you. And so, no, I'm still unpacking that and still finding yeah. stuff. 
you know, when we released, um, we released quite a voluminous Huon shirt and I thought, oh, I have to make some tapered pants. And then I was like, do I? Do I have to make? No, I didn't. I wore it with my like wide leg looking glebe pants and I'm I'm really into it. So, yeah, no, I'm still dismantling all mm. of those kinds of thoughts. And it, again, it's how you feel when you put it on, isn't it? Like if you yeah. didn't feel good wearing baggy upon baggy, then maybe you would try something else. But you actually liked it. You felt good. I would also caveat that with like often I'm in the Curvy Sewing Collective on Facebook and you get people coming in being like, this is way too oversized. How do I size it down? And I feel like when you make something that's a new silhouette for for your body, you need to wear it until you catch yourself in the mirror and you don't think, oh, who's that? You know, like when you get a new haircut and you keep looking at yourself being like, oh, oh, that's, oh, that's my haircut. Until you get past that point where that is like, oh, yeah, that's just me. I don't think you can judge like a new silhouette because all you're seeing up until that point is just like, that's new. And that feels like, oh, I don't like that. Mm. But, but actually, if you get it to the point where you're comfortable looking at it, then you can be a bit more like critical in a non-biased way about that. Because I think oftentimes we'll look at stuff on ourselves and have this kind of gut reaction to it. But if mm. somebody had exactly the same body as us and was wearing that, we'd feel really differently about it. So how do you feel then if you make something, you try it on, you look at it and go, no, nah, I don't like this. Should Are you saying you should maybe try it on again another day and just yep. see if you like it again? I mean, sometimes I put things in the naughty corner and then sometimes I'll try them with different things or wear it around the house until you're a bit more comfortable with it and you can actually make a decision about yeah. that yeah yeah that's that's good advice i made something the other day i tried it on i was like it's, this is not me i showed my daughter she's like no nah, it's not you and that's it it was to the op shop and i'm like well maybe yeah. now i should have worn it for a whole day out maybe or mm -hmm. around the house just to see if if i kind of was warming to it or not yeah those thoughts of like what's not not me or whatever I'm changing all the time. What's not me five years ago is not me now, you know, and so it's possible that it's not you right now, but it could be future you. Well, um, it's gone now. It's at the op shop. Well, or it could be something <laughs> that you're happy to give away and that's totally fine too. I think don't have regrets about stuff, but um, definitely, yeah, I'd say give things a chance if you've mm. still got <laughs> So you love sewing with natural fibres. What are some of your favourite fabrics then to work with? I know I've written down some here, but you tell me what you, your favourite fabrics are. Um, I really like linen. Lots mm. of my wardrobe is linen. But also, like, for fancy stuff, I really like silk noil. What's the noil part? Uh, mm. The noil is, like, little bubble, little kind of textured nobbles. <laughs> In the silk? Nobbles. In the silk, yeah. So it's, it's more like it doesn't look, like, sheeny. It's not shiny. It's, it looks it's more raw, of a, like a raw, raw. Yeah, like a matte texture. Like it's like something's raw. wrong with it, but it's actually not. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> <laughs> and do you like bamboo? I do like bamboo, but I feel really guilty about it, so I'm trying not to use so, bamboo because of the processing takes a lot yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very intensive process. That's not very good for the workers. Um, but modal mm. is a bit better. So I like, uh, yeah, trying to use more modal, especially for like undies and also merino I love as well. So can you explain modal? I can't visualise the texture. What is so that So it's mean? basic. It feels a lot like bamboo or like a viscose. It's mostly for knit. So like a modal knit 
it has a hand that's similar to bamboo or viscose and it's just made in more of like a closed loop system and a bit better conditions. I think it might be from the same folks who do tensile. Oh, um, okay. So it's a natural yeah. fibre. It's like semi-natural in that it's like wood pulp that's been put through a process. Mm. Wow. And I've written down here French terry. Is another one of yours or not? I did make a dress recently out of French terry. I, uh, When I got my greyhound, I was like, I'm going to make him so many things. And I stocked <laughs> up on all these like sweater fabrics and I have barely sewn him anything. I just keep buying him cute sweaters off the internet. Um, so I have this like two shelves in my stash that have been gone over to like French terry and things for him. And then occasionally I've pulled bits out to be like, well, actually, I, I quite like this. So maybe this one will be for me. And it's this new like loophole for buying myself fabrics is that they're for the dog. That well, thank, thank God he doesn't understand English. Otherwise, he'd be asking you, when are you making me those clothes you promised me? <laughs> he'd be like, mum, I'm cold. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go into your blog. So you have a great blog, really a great blog called Broad in the Seams. It's another a sewing pun from Broad in the Beam. I had to actually Google that because I didn't know that pun. Yeah, I love a pun, obviously. So it's kind of like it's multi-level pun, that one, I would say. So broad in the beam describes someone who's like broad in through the beam, so like wide. It's another way of saying someone's fat. But also like I thought about uh, a broad, as in a woman, being in seams, as in in clothes. Um, so it's, re- it's a really deep pun. I wonder if one. broad is a Aussie slash New Zealand slang word, like for a woman, feel, a broad. I imagine like... American gangsters being like, oh, the that broad. broad. Yes. And you started this blog before you started Mooner and Broad with Leela. Mm-hmm. It has so much content on there. It's got your thoughts on style and colour, patterns you've made, and a pattern resource for plus-size sewers. So is that why you originally started that blog, was the pattern resource? Yeah, so basically I started off doing lists of free sewing patterns that were plus-size. And then I kind of got to the point where I had put lots up and I also felt like a lot of them were you get exactly what you pay for, which is that like oftentimes the pattern is not the expensive part of the sewing. It's your time and your fabric and all that. And every couple of months I think like I'm going to take that list down and take it down. I haven't done it yet. It drives so much traffic to my website, but the people are only there for that. And then I started doing roundups of, as kind of the sizes started increasing from other companies, roundups of patterns that were actually available to purchase for fat folks. And I did that every week. And then I just kind of got tired of that. So now it's more like, yes, my ramblings on things and and recent projects get put up on there too. And people love it. I mean, it's just another extension of Muna and Broad and just the things that you're thinking and feeling about colour because you're always thinking. <laughs> Yes, I am. <laughs> it doesn't end. And it's very funny too. So even just your Instagram writing as well, you have a very witty humour. Is witty the right word? Because there's different ways of describing people's humour. I came up with witty because I often find myself laughing out loud. So I've written some things here. I just wanted you to explain to our listeners what these mean that you've written. So one of them is died a death between the thighs. What does that mean? That just means that it like, rubbed itself raw and holes opened up in a really dramatic way between the thighs on like my pants and it just died a death so does yeah. that mean it can't be fixed or it, it can be oh no really like my most recent ones that died a death like i would need very large pieces of fabric to fix those guys you know what about nappy bum what's that <laughs> you see this sometimes on like pants fitting where like if the crotch extension isn't long enough then like 
the kind of seam gets pulled in and then you get drag lines that kind of face into the center of the butt. And it kind of, you know, like when kids have like really big nappies on and little Because they're full of wee. Is that why? Because they're dragging. full of wee, yeah. Or even if it's not full, it's just like the pants weren't built to accommodate the size of what's going on in there. Yeah. Nappy is that like hungry bum? Is yeah, that what they call it? Like <laughs> but when you've got a bigger bum, it's less that your bum. Yeah, it's a bit more, bit more looks like there's stuff going on in there. <laughs> and the other one is clothing orphan. What does that mean? Oh, that's just about how I keep making clothes that don't go with anything else. So, like, then you've not got like a nice pairing or a family in your wardrobe. You've got this like orphan that you're like, well, what do I do with you? Oh, you know, like I've made this thing and it doesn't go with anything. Do I start a whole second wardrobe of things that do go with this or do I just be like, well, that's, yeah, we'll just give that away. A lot of your clothes are block colours, aren't they? You're not really Mm -hmm. into patterns. I'm like super. Stripes you like. I like stripes. When I see fabrics, I like lots of pattern stuff. I look at it and I'm like, oh, yeah. But when I've made pattern stuff in the past, it's just like you've added in all these extra dimensions. So if you don't like it, then what was it? Was it the color? Was it the pattern? Was it the combination of things? Was it the size of the, like you've just added in all these extra things that could go terribly wrong. Was it the price? That was Was five bucks a meter. (laughs) I do like a bargain. Um, Yeah, I just find that it just adds in all these extra things for me to think about. And I guess I feel like I have enough like color in my outfits. You know, like if I'm wearing three pieces, I'm wearing you know, it's already a, it's a feast for the eyes already. You would definitely have to think more, wouldn't you, combining a patterned top or something with a plain pair of pants. Yeah. And then if you get into like the colour, the kind of season, the colour season side of that, all of your different colour seasons comes with different kind of pattern things. So like my pattern should be like the rest of my colours, muted, low contrast. And then the patterns that I'm really into are like high contrast things that are, that like are the opposite of my colour season. Oh, gosh. And I could, I could buy them. Like I, that wouldn't stop me from buying them, but I know that if I made them, I'd feel like, oh, yeah, there's that dress and Jess is in it as opposed to like me wearing that dress. That dress mm. will be wearing me. <laughs> photos. I want to talk to you about photos now. Your photos... And you tell me that you take them yourself, but they always look very polished and you appear to have a lot of fun doing them. I know for myself, I put on music to try and make myself look like ha 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 laughing and glamorous. But your trick, your party trick is to just laugh at nothing. Is that right? Yeah. So I don't know if you notice of like all my photos, I'm facing this way because I feel like my hair, my hair looks nicest in this direction rather than that side. And then I'll go through this whole like pose of like, Oh, smiling, laughing, mouth open kind of thing. And those inevitably end up being the photos that I choose. But in silence, right? There's, so Absolutely you've got... in silence, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's much better if I take my own photos because when I was getting people to help me, I couldn't help but try to chat to them the whole time. And then all my photos were my mouth in various stages of chatting or me looking really uncomfortable. So it's much better for me to do it on my own and that I'm not uncomfortable or like fighting the urge to chat to someone. And also, I'm not very good at photography or posing. So anytime I do it, I take like 300 photos to try and get like just a few where I look reasonably sensible. Yeah. Do you do them then at a certain time of the day? Because the lighting is so important. And mm-hmm. if it's like raining or yeah, if there's some cloud coverage, it, it can really affect the final result of that photo. Mm-hmm. So how do you do it? Um, you found a really nice part of the house where you just, or your apartment that you just do it in, do you? 
I've only just started doing photos inside because I've kind of moved all my furniture around and I've got this zone I can now take photos in. I like I like overcast and generally no direct light. Uh, it casts too much shadow and it's really bright and then you have to kind of, the exposure is a bit tricky. Mm. Um, so mostly I try and take them in the in the afternoon during the golden hour. Oh. Where, yeah, that's my hot you tip. You figured um, it out. <laughs> I have recently done quite a few photo shoots in here where I've tried to take them in the morning or like around noon and I've just had to like, they've all been rubbish. And then I come back and I take them again at like 4, 4.30 and they're much better. So I just really need to stop trying to take them outside of my, you know, afternoon time um, or sometimes in the like early morning before the sun gets too intense. I'm just not a good enough photographer to kind of fix the really bright light. I bought a, um, I, my, I dropped my old camera in the wind. It just blew over because I hadn't put the tripod properly. Oh, no. um, so I bought a new camera with like a nice lens on it and it should take very nice photos. So. And I know you experimented with taking photos outside, like you said, but the the issue there is that there's people out there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they will look at you and think, what the hell is she doing? I found like I was kind of, people would walk past and they'd give me a quizzical look and I'd be like, I sew my own clothes. Like I'd have to justify <laughs> why I was there. Yeah. Certainly I've avoided that now by taking my photos inside. Nobody asks me what's doing, but I feel like my dog does judge me. He's like, oh, this again, okay. I feel like if I was a thin and, you know, thin, stylish person, I wouldn't feel, I'd feel less uncomfortable, but I feel like in this spot as like a person on a fat body, I have to like justify why I'm out there taking selfies, which is ridiculous, right? Because I, I know why I'm taking selfies. Yeah, it's kind of I haven't I haven't come to a solution of it. I still feel a bit uncomfortable in public. But you know, like I also feel uncomfortable getting recognized at the supermarket, which I guess comes with the territory at this point. And look how far we've come. We're taking photos of ourselves in underwear in swimwear. I mean, okay, I haven't done the underwear, but and putting it on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So, I have. Um I joke yes, you have. But, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, my joke is that um, if, if M&B falls through, I've got, like, all the stuff to start, like, an OnlyFans account because I've got so many pictures of me in, like, undies and swimsuits and things. That's going to be my backup plan. It is so brave. I mean, I, I know people. some people hate the word brave, but I feel like it is brave. Yeah. I would not do that if I was not in a position of selling, you know, underwear patterns, I suppose. And initially um, for our, like, Banksia bralette, we didn't – we kind of got somebody else to take the photos for us. I think it's just that maybe as I've got a bit better at photographing things, I can do it in a way that feels comfortable to me. Mm. Um, and also uh, the most recent photos I took were of the Dulcie boxer briefs, which is not like a very sexy photo. So I feel like all those creepy men on the internet aren't going to be like, oh, yeah, look at that, because <laughs> I'm in like really long shorts, <laughs> which is probably not the photos they're after. <laughs> all right. I'm going to talk to you next about Christchurch sews, which I like to call it. Chit sews because that's how you've done it on the internet. Is it called chit sews? This is your side business. Yeah, I definitely imagine it as chit sews. So it's your side business where you print patterns in AO format. Hallelujah! <laughs> For those who aren't familiar, that's like sixteen pieces of A4 paper. So where did the idea come from to start chit sews? Well, when we went into lockdown here in New Zealand, basically everything shut. 
everything's shut and we were told not to be ordering stuff for delivery unless it was stuff you really needed. And so I'm like a big rule follower and I was like, well, firstly, I don't think they were doing it. Printing, sending out patterns, I was like, oh, that's it. And I didn't have a printer at home at that stage at all, um, not even a home printer. And so I was just really stuck. We were really stuck in this spot of like I couldn't test any of the M&B stuff mm. we were trying to work on and it really just like put the brakes on stuff we were doing. Um, and so when we came out and I moved, I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy that. And because I knew so many people already in Christchurch, I knew that there'd probably be a few, a, you know, a, enough people that would be happy to print with me instead of going to the local stationery store and that it would be something that was super handy for me. And, you know, when we're doing like a pattern production, I might print a pattern three or four times at least. And if that's like a four page pattern and I'm paying somebody else $7 a page for it, it, you know, it was a saving that I made for myself. And then I just thought, oh, well, I'll put up a website and let other people print with me too. It's not a huge money spinner. I feel like if I had like a fabric shop to go with it, it would be better. But it's it's good to do it and I get to meet nice people. Exactly. It's an, it's a lovely service that you can provide local Christchurch mm-hmm. sewists. And I wish I had you with me last week when I was gluing, actually. I was gluing 50 pages together of a pattern and mm-hmm. I'm like, I need Jess. Where's Jess? And then I realised the glue... The glue's not good because the next day the glue can come apart. So you really do need that sticky tape. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I wouldn't print and tape anymore because I have a printer. Uh, I really feel like of what I like to spend my time on, taping was not it. And I would always end up with bumps in there and it would never be, you know, it was just like an exercise in frustration. And it would also slow me down from actually sewing and I procrastinate as enough as it is. So, yeah, print, print AO, folks. Yes, if you can. All right, it's time for the quiz, Jess's quiz. You need to answer in one word or one sentence. Here we go. Do you still work in inches when you sew, even though you live in a metric country? Yes, but only for, like, measurements and hems. Okay. Where do you use centimetres then? Like, fabric is in metres? Oh, yes. Yeah. But that's almost, a yard to me is almost like a metre anyway. It's not, though. If you buy two yards and you needed two metres, you're out of luck. You're screwed. (laughs) Yeah. You're slightly under with a yard. You're slightly out of luck. Yes. So you might have to do some jigsawing with those pattern (laughs) pieces. As you mentioned, you have a gorgeous greyhound dog called Fifey, for those that don't know. Have you made him anything? Yeah, I made him um, one thing shortly after he arrived, which was like a red ribbed with a turtleneck, which I have a matching dress to. And he was going to wear it to a Christmas party. And then on the day, it was too hot. <laughs> so he just went naked. <laughs> he didn't mind. No. I love this next question. You have tattoos of Australian flowers on your arms. Now, being Australian myself, I thought I saw on there kangaroo paw, wattle, and bottle brush. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did I get them all? Um, so that's, I have, like, one bunch that has those in there. Um, I also have a eucalyptus. Oh, um, lovely. And a sturt desert pea. Wow. Um, And then I've got uh, some New Zealand flowers and also some from California. So my question to you is, while you love flowers, why don't you like wearing floral prints? (laughs) I do wear floral prints all the time on my arms. (laughs) You said you are not really a dress person, but is there any particular dress pattern you do like to wear? Not including the one you just released. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, See, every new release is my new favourite. Um, (laughs) 
probably the wakery dress, which is like our button-up sh- uh, shirt dress with a drop shoulder. Mostly because, like, yes, it's a dress, but also it makes a really good duster. And so that's how I've worn it as, like, this really, like, layered linen combo with, like, oversized things. Did you say duster? Yeah. What's that? Like a, like a duster jacket. So, like a, like a kind of, I don't know, like a vintage painter would wear. So, like, long sleeve, button-up shirt that goes quite long. So it's a duster jacket, is it? Like, jacket, is that what they yeah. call it? I'm going to have to Google that. Your colourful wardrobe is often accompanied by a colourful pair of sneakers. So where do you find these gems? Are they on the internet? All my sneakers, um, I have, like, little trade me is, like, the New Zealand version of, like, Gumtree. So I have searches set up in my size um, to find sneakers that are, like, secondhand. So I like, like, Onitsuka Tigers and, um, yeah, that Asics kind of sneakers. I'm not, like, a huge sneakerhead or anything, but um, to find some cool coloured sneakers, that's what I do. So as you said, you've never met Leela in person and there are no plans to meet Leela in person. That question's just out the door now because my, <laughs> my question was, did you have the chance to meet her yet and you haven't? No, I mean, there's no plans. Like, I think we can safely say at some point we will meet, um, but there's no immediate plans. We had kind of talked about, like, meeting in the middle, like, in Japan, or um, she might come over at some point to visit her family in Australia um, and then doing a little side trip to New Zealand. Maybe one of you have to get married or... She's already married and I'm single, so (laughs) she might be waiting a while. She did tell me she would sew me um, pants for my wedding. I told her I wanted some, like, creamy white, um, (laughs) like, woolen pleated pants to get married in. Um, So she's already said yes to that. I just need to find the person to marry. And I believe, too, she sends you gifts. Like, sometimes you'll just get gifts in the mail. So she sent me, um, she had a few shirts that she didn't want anymore, and so she sent me some shirts. And then in there was, like, all these other goodies, including, like, some Canadian maple leaf-shaped maple syrup candy, which was delicious. Yeah, she can keep sending those to me anytime. I initially thought they were soap, and I was like, I'm just going to taste it just in case it's not soap. (laughs) It was not. Well, that is it for all my questions. We are bang on time thank you so much for coming on the podcast and bringing so much inspiration to our own wardrobes well thank you for having me thank you for listening to the australia sews podcast if you know someone from australia who would be great to have on the show email australia podcast at gmail.com or send me a message on instagram at australia underscore podcast you are more than welcome to nominate yourself You can also find me on Instagram at make underscore thrift underscore sew. Now, back to sewing.